Good morning, good morning, good morning, and War Eagle, War Report family. We're here again, talking about a departure. Wow. Uh, your man Ike Jones here with my man B. Will. Austin mm. Davis officially resigns from his position as offensive coordinator after two weeks. How long has it been? It's a month. It's a um, month it was now. official December 18th. Okay, so a month into the position, he gone. And we're here to talk about it, man. We're here to let you all talk about it. Um, what little information we do have right now, but it is official that he is no longer with the program. Um, be will initial thoughts about the happenings because uh, this evolved pretty quickly. It did. Um, initial thoughts were he doesn't want to do this job. That was my initial thoughts. Um, that we have no absolute confirmed. He says per he says it's personal, mm-hmm. and that's what was in the statement. Um, that is not the details. I'm sure that would satisfy many of us fans and uh, media. So we are left to speculate somewhat, but without casting any aspersions on who or what may be the root cause of it. Um, my thought, which is purely a guess, would be he didn't want to do the job, and. I, I'm 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 hard guessing that one because I don't think you even talk to a college coach without knowing what the job entails. Like, yeah, he was in college, like what twelve years ago or so. He's not that old, so he had to know what the job entailed. I'm I am. He didn't want to recruit. Maybe one thing, but I think it's it's actually got to be something personal. Uh, maybe the idea of hitting the college ranks and being able to climb that ladder makes a lot of sense and is appealing to him. However. Uprooting your country from the the northwest, Pacific Northwest, all the way down to here. Um, the relationships that you leave behind because he's been in Seattle for at least five years from the end of his pro career to, to his transition to coaching career. So there may be may have been something like that involved. Um he's got he's still a young guy. He's got a lot going on. I doubt he had nearly as hectic a schedule as a QB coach for a pro team as he would have had as an offensive coordinator for a college team. So my guess, on, on one hand, I was thinking maybe it's not it's the job, but the more I think about it, I, I don't think that's it. I think it's something personal. He said it was personal. So um, I am I am guessing that that's what it is. But of course, it's complete speculation because we won't know exactly what it is that did not hit for him to where he had to say, I i don't want to do this job I just signed up for a month ago. Um, it's, it's just no telling, but that's my guess. Yeah, I mean, listen, there there are <clears throat> a lot of things being speculated about what happened. You know, um, of course, everybody has their opinions about what this means for the program going forward. But there's there is there is probably a, there are probably a limited few who actually know the situation. Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend as if I didn't wholeheartedly take jobs in my life and then got into them and was like. Well, what am I doing here? This ain't what I signed up for. It's not what I thought I was going, or you know what? I thought I was going to like this, but I don't actually enjoy this at all. This is not for me. Um, Or you get into a position, you know, being transparent about my life. I got into a position where I got a job, but I did not have reliable transportation to get to that job. And then ended up losing that job within a couple of weeks because I had missed work a couple of times, right? Like there are life situations and circumstances that despite betting processes and despite your earnest thoughts that you want to do a thing, you get into that thing and the reality of it versus what you thought it would be are different, right? Your life changes in the meantime and the, the circumstances around things change, which require a different path for you to take. Yeah. That happens. You know, I, I just, I caution everybody from thinking that this is Brian Harson running someone off because I've seen that narrative yeah. floating out there. It I, just, I don't think this, this, doesn't, is that. this doesn't feel like that, right? Um, so it's, regardless of what the reasoning is, it definitely is not a good look considering National Signing Day right. is just a couple of days away, right? Um, so there are things that make you take, have pause, um, with wanting to sign with a program, you don't even know who your offensive coordinator is going to be. The good thing I think about this is that it was pretty clear Brian Harson was going to be the play caller this coming right. season. So that should not change. Right. Um, but the people you have to feel bad for are 
Zach Calzada, yeah. and Robbie Ashford right now. That's that's who, well, I don't know how much Ashford got recruited by the guy because apparently he's been out of pocket for at least a week. Um, mm-hmm. I know Ashford signed to us what two weeks ago was it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how much I know Calzada specifically cited Austin Davis right after he signed with us as the reason he came here. He he yeah, told Austin me Davis on. seemed he seemed happy that he got Calzada to come. Yeah, yeah. So that that is the one I feel the worst about. Um, but it, like you said. The benefit here is that if Harson is the offensive anchor for the team, then you don't lose too much by losing a guy who had no play calling experience, had no offensive coordinator experience. You don't lose too much. He was going to be a developmental piece as well, even as a coach. So the good thing is that now you don't have to waste time with a guy maybe half-assing it because he's, his heart's not in it or this right. isn't what he really wants to do. He doesn't want to hit the road and recruit or he's missing. He doesn't have the time to go back to the Pacific Northwest and maybe, you know, keep up those family connections like he wants to. Because if he if that was going to eat away at him, it was still going to eat away at him even if he had stayed. So you don't want him doing that. You don't want anybody who's half-out you have to have somebody that's 100% in. Right. And the benefit for Harson is you get to find that guy. Now, the problem is the coaching carousel has pretty much stopped. People have settled into these roles. Now, a couple of people still getting poached here and there from teams to other teams. But what we have at Auburn right now is a guy who says, nope, my way, I got it, get out my way. This is not the good old boy connection network that a lot of coaches in the region and in certain coaching circles may have had. This is not that. Um, a lot of, of of good options have settled into new roles that are better roles than it would be here, where you're already locked down, where the coach is going to tie your hand. I want to say tie your hands because Parson could find somebody who philosophically agrees with him, but... We've seen um, a couple people that we were targeting in the, in the offseason go somewhere and get full reins you know, of an offense as an OC, already play callers, already uh, quarterback coaches in their past. So we've got to find somebody. I don't know who. I have no idea who. Like, that's the question. Is there anybody out there who, number one, philosophically agrees with Harson, number two, is ready to jump ship at their current job to come be an OC this late in the cycle? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, there are definitely other coaches and, and programs around the country still dealing with this same issue. Um, but, you know, it is abnormal for Auburn to be in this position. Uh, it's just a, a a weird space to be in. I'm going to jump in here and grab yeah. a couple of chats here. Walt Taylor, uh, appreciate the super chat, says, the statement says, I've made my decision to step away from coaching football. Sounds like he's altogether out. Listen, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fair on this. That's the same thing Derek Mason said for he dipped out too. He said he wanted to take time away from football, and you see he ended up with another job a week later. So listen, I I'm not saying that that's not the reasoning. It seemed all signs point to though this is really something personal, right? Um, right. and he just needs some time away. Uh, Cleveland Brown says AD got cold feet, and we need a, an OC that wants to be here. Couldn't agree more. The timing sucks, but I think it would have been worse. If he had like a breakdown in the middle of the season and he was like, you know right. what, this ain't ain't for me. And then, you know, right before we're supposed to travel to to Georgia, he's like, man, peace. <laughs> like, right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, so there definitely are worse timings. Uh, but yeah, this this is this isn't the best. I, but again, I don't know that there's really a good time. There's just bad and worse it's when worse. it comes to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the further along we would have gotten, the worse it would have been. So yeah. Yeah. I just wish it had been a decision before he got hired. You know, Bryson Bridges, why can't we just make Grant Loy the OC? Go ahead and say it. Why can't we make Grant Loy OC and be done with all this? You know what, Stu- Bryson? That's nonsense. Don't say stuff like that. Stuart Donald <laughs> says, I'm in a job that turned out to be nothing like what uh like I was expecting. I'm torn between suffering through or going in a different direction. I get it. Listen. And it happens. happens. It yeah. it absolutely happens. It, I, I think people forget the humanity. Like for some reason, we remove people's humanity from situations when we are looking at stuff like this, and forget that stuff like this happens to everybody all the time. So it's not unheard of for something like this to be. It just sucks as fans because you want to see more stability with your program, right? Um, but you know, we got to figure out uh, how to 
interject humanity back into these situations and not yeah. feel like, man, well, screw him. And it's like, I get it. You're upset. But that man has a whole life that he's trying to figure out right now. Right. And I'm not about to sit here and judge him for a decision that he made, whether I like that decision or not. That's right. not my position to be in. Again, maybe I understand it differently because I've been in maybe not as high profile a situation, but a very similar situation. And, yeah. you know, again, you make decisions about things that you think are going to be long term and it doesn't end up being that way. And there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, this ain't it. I need to I need to find something else. Right. And and that's that's human nature. I mean, we find out more about ourselves after taking on new experiences than we knew before. And that's how life goes. And whatever was tugging at him, I, I'm always going to look at this as a as a, a, a bright uh, silver lining because you I, I don't know how many of y'all have been doing something that you don't want to do and how much more energy that takes away from you. And it makes it even harder to do what you're being asked to do if you don't want to do it. I'm I, saying you've been in a situation like that. I've been in job situations like that. When you don't want to be there no more, everything about that job just gets twice as hard. Right, It's heavier and you're more tired at the end of the day. And yep. You can't half-ass that, man. N not with what this coaching staff needs to be and what Brian Harson wants it to be like. I'm sure that he is jet boosters on 110%. In that facility, seeing what happened at the end of last year with all the departures, with all the whispers, with all the momentum that the basketball team has. I'm, I'm sure he feels the pressure that we all hope and think that he's feeling. And the last thing you needed was a guy that you just brought in dragging his feet and down and not really feeling what you got going in the building like that. That can't happen. Yeah. Now, could you have identified some of that before? Maybe that's a fair criticism of of Harson doing the hiring. Yeah. I don't know how much did Austin Davis show. Austin Davis might have really felt like, yeah, I can do this. this is exactly great for me again. You know what I mean? This happens. I, I prop. Listen, either anybody who doesn't understand how this can happen either has not been in that experience as an employee, or you have never been someone who has to pull the trigger on hiring, because this definitely happens where in a, a, a person comes. I have been a hiring manager. And I've sat in interviews with people and thought, oh, yeah, this person really, you know, they want to be here, da, 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 this and this and that. Mm. And a couple of weeks, a couple of months into it, I'm like, <laughs> no, this yeah. might not have been the right decision. Yeah. And you start regretting it. And you, you honestly, in your mind, are hoping they get tired before you have to fire them. Right. Because it's never fun firing somebody. Right. Um, in situations like this, fire him have financial, you know, repercussions, right? So like you he has some sort of buyout that would have had to happen. So it's better if he walks away in that situation. But let's uh I'm gonna go to the chat a little bit more here and let you guys we are here to let you all vent. Our guy Lance Daw in the comments, the individual loss of Austin Davis name may not be the end of the world, but the collective is what concerns me as an all uh, absurds me with Auburn football. It's not looking great for the Tigers right now. There is literally no denial that that is a factual statement, Lance. That the perception of the program is taking a hit. Yes. Um. I just don't know what that feels like from the outside to recruits number one mm -hmm. and to potential new offensive coordinators. Right. Right. Like that's really the biggest issue is like, how does this look to anyone who wants to come to Auburn for the football program? And 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 we juxtapose that with the basketball program right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you see the stability in that staff. You see the stability in, you know, in the program in general with the head coach. And then you see this instability on the other side and you have to wonder, does it all stem back to the head guy? Right. Like, right. is it a thing where, you know the environment that has been created here for the football program is not conducive for stability. Right. And that's I, fair. I personally think that the coach, uh, Brian Harson, he got screwed from the beginning. He got his hand forced to begin with, with a bunch of hires he didn't really want to make. Mm -hmm. And in this all season, he tried to say, look, I'm just going to try to take this on myself. And, um, Listen, the Eason thing, I don't know how you avoid that. Right. Like, there's no avoiding that. That's, that's unavoidable. Your alma mater comes calling with, they, they overhaul their staff. 
they're going to give you a bump up in responsibilities, probably in pay. And that's where you played and that's where your family's at. I mean, come on, that that was going to happen no matter where he coached in 2021. He was going to go to Clemson in 2022 Mm -hmm. with all those circumstances. So I don't I don't think that's a knock on the Harson or the staff. Yeah. Um, Now, the Derek Mason situation. Well, let's back up the Mike Bobo situation. um, I think most people were in agreement that that was a good thing overall. Right. Um, the Derek Mason situation, there's mixed reviews on that. I am still not a fan of how that played out. Um, but the question there becomes, you know, what was the reason why he would say I'm done with football, but then take another job somewhere else? That means there had to be some kind of issue with Auburn, like it right. wasn't football. Right. So that's clear red flag. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that red flag points to Brian Harson or to mm-hmm. Derek Mason. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The Austin Davis situation, again, another red flag. But again, there's not enough information to say that this is a Brian Harson issue. This feels more like an Austin Davis issue. The problem still is perception. None of that really matters. Right. Perception is really all that matters at the end of the day. Um, But I think it will be somewhat telling if, again, I say this when the Mason situation happens, if the recruits or the current players have a change of heart about the program. Right. You know, if outside of the building, people are all, you know, running around, oh, my God, what's happening? Everything is on fire. But inside the building, everybody's cool. Yeah. Then that's all that really matters. The only remedy for this is winning next year, though. That's win it. next year, nobody cares. Well, people will still care because there are a bunch of people who just, for whatever reason— say they love Auburn but want Brian Harson to fail. I have not figured out how those two things can coexist. Yeah. But some people walk that line masterfully and I applaud you for the duality that you're able to live live, live life in. Um but the remedy for all this is winning. Got to. Like that's it. That's the only thing that's going to quiet the rumbles right now. And I think I you you are much more of the hey this why why is this bad just because we think it's bad or we feel it's bad because we don't have the tangible evidence to suggest this is bad i think as far as on field product arson was going to design the offense arson was going to call the plays i don't think that much has been lost here what you've mm-hmm. lost is the qb coach and really i, I think that's probably because brian harson wouldn't have time to call the plays run offense design offense, and coach the QBs hands-on. Now, we know he will coach QBs because we've seen it in practice. Mm -hmm. We know he will do that. So my thought is springtime, well, he's got to get somebody in, but I don't think that holds up anything as far as the spring goes. The only thing that you need from that position as it was going to be built on this staff going for the fall 2022 season is somebody who understands the quarterback position, who can teach it technically, fundamentally, and schematically and that person to be an active and willing recruiter. That's right. it. That's what you need. Everything else that was going to happen in 2022 is not affected. The guys who are in here now, D. Davis can leave because he just got here. Holden Garner, I guess he could leave. He just got here. But I think he's pretty tied to Harson and on board with Harson. Calzada, mm-hmm. even though he may really be having a change of heart, you just burned your transfer, man. That's it. Yeah. Like he's, He is stuck here. If he was attached to Austin Davis, he's stuck. Hopefully, yeah. you know, what we saw at the basketball game and him, you know, being connected to the other players, hopefully that has some value and he doesn't feel completely alienated right now, but he's not going anywhere. Robbie Ashford, he's not going anywhere. Once you use that transfer, man, you're going to go somewhere else and give up two years because then you go there and you got to sit a year. So you're not going to play until 2023. That's not going to happen. So they're going to sit here and they're going to ride it out. The best thing that we can hope for from a fan perspective is that these guys buckle down and say, well, this is what I got to do. I'm going to go out here and ball out because this is still a major SEC program. And if I win this job, I'm front and center. I'm in the spotlight and I've got a chance to go up against all of these teams for an entire season to show why I'm that guy. And that's the value in us being Auburn still. We still are the spot. We still have the spotlight. We're always going to have that spotlight. So it looks bad perception-wise. X's and O's, I don't know how much this affects anything. And as far as QB recruits, which is really Austin Davis's primary concern, 
Those are here. We're good. We were going to be locked in until 2023. Excuse me. Yeah, 2023 at least. Like this, this may affect recruiting for next season. But honestly, how many more QBs could we take on for next season? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that the QB room is already full of guys who have tons of eligibility. Right. Um, so I think the, the work was going to be in development. But, you know, again, the, yeah. the transfer portal is a beast all of its own. There's literally no way of predicting what happens with that situation. Um, so, you know, we, we would definitely have to play this by ear every single season. Uh, I, I like this comment here from Lawrence. He says, the issue is that we haven't had to do a rebuild at our program in a long time. Malzahn has success too early. I think that this has um, tainted people's perceptions. I mean, really the last two coaches, right? When you think about um, what happened prior to Malzahn with the national championship, the early success of the coaches, listen, college football is a completely different beast than it was back then. Yeah. Right. Like we're talking about 20, uh, 2009, right? Mm Mm-hmm. To, to now, it's just a completely different beast. So, like, there's just no way for programs to have to be able to do this restart the same way that you would have back then, right? right. It's just not the way that it's going to happen anymore. And I do think that having the same head coach for eight seasons and not having to— fi- But, like, even in that Gus Malzahn tenure, we had multiple offensive coordinators in and out of the program, multiple defensive coordinators in and out of the— pro- Every season— it seemed mm-hmm. like we were restarting with the coordinator positions. So it's yeah, we not were. as if this is like some new thing. We had stability at the head coach for eight years, right. but the coordinators were playing musical chairs. They were. They, it, it never seemed that they were leaving for the same reasons that they're leaving now, though. And I think that's, yeah. what, that's what's the most concerning. Like Ellis Johnson, he got fired because we had the terrible defense in 2014. Um, Muschamp was in and out one season. We got Kevin Steele, which was a stabilizing force on the mm-hmm. defensive side. So that was a good hire there. I mean, it turned out not to be a very good hire. We didn't know that till later. But on offense, it seemed like once uh, Gus's hand was forced after that first game against Clemson in 2016, somebody said, hey, give me the playbook, man. You ain't going to do this to us no more. You ain't going to be out here embarrassing us <laughs> with eight QBs and not scoring enough points. So from that point forward, the offensive side of the ball was in turmoil. We couldn't keep the same coordinator for more than two years. Um, I I remember there being reports after our first road game at Clemson in 2017. That's when we had Stidham, but Chip Lindsey was our OC. That he... Chip Lindsey is available again, by the way. Oh, he is. That's right. No, he signed on somewhere. Yeah. He signed on somewhere. It ain't Auburn. Yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) Anyway, continue. Yeah, that first game that Chip Lindsey had to like... I'm not saying I want Chip Lindsey back. I just... I got to take on that. <laughs> yeah, they were saying that Chip Lindsey confronted Gus Malzahn like in the hallway or something. But he was angry at Gus either overriding his calls or having his hands too much in the in the play calling. So nobody played too well with Gus on offense. But that didn't seem to be a concern. And I think the reason it wasn't a concern at the time was because we always thought, but this is Gus's system. Right. All right, so you can bring in whoever you want to as OC, even though Chip Lindsey's system did look different. There were it some good things as far as how the offensive line played that that were similar, but it was it was a different system. It was definitely short pass, West Coast type thing. And it's incredible to me that now we're we're maybe because Gus had a few years to establish what we thought of who our team was first, and then all the turmoil happened. Here it's happening right up front. We're like, what in the hell is going on? We don't know if this is good or bad for the program or for the product because we don't even know what the product is. We're we're sitting here. We're supposed to believe that that wasn't your OC. That may not have been your DC. Well, who are you? And that's a, that's a question we asked in the offseason. If we're going to be able to sell this thing to recruits, we have to know who we are so we can tell them what we're selling. Now, Harson can go into homes and sell it. He can say it because, of course, he's the source of how all this stuff is going to work. But for us on the outside looking in, if we're not a recruit, if Harson's not coming to our door telling us, hey, B-Will, here's how I want us to play offense in 2022. Well, I don't know then because we're not hearing it straight from the horse's mouth. Right. So we're left to speculate. We're left to guess. And honestly, I don't think it matters what we do or don't know because whatever's going to happen this fall is going to happen. And and maybe that's uh, the, uh, the illusion that we have as fans that we have some type of 
not control over it, but we want to feel good about what's going on. But honestly, did we know things were as bad as they were behind the scenes when Gus was here in 2017? Yeah. We didn't know that Kevin Steele was making a play for his job early or that Chip Lindsay didn't like him, but all of this stuff was happening. We just didn't know it. So we felt good because we had just had a good season. He got extended. But we didn't know that all this stuff was about to start, come to a head. Right. right now, we feel terrible because of what we see, but what we don't see is how qualified and how good of a coaching staff he may already have in place. How right. good one of those, all we need is one of those QBs in that room to step up and be the dude. We just haven't seen it. And it, it everybody's a little uncomfortable because of that, understandably, but we just got to be patient. Yeah, that's hard to, to do as fans. I get that 100% because it doesn't look good, right? But again, the results on the field ultimately are all that matter. Um, and we have not seen a single result on the field post all of this turmoil. So um, if it works out, then great. If it doesn't, then we have to point back and say, listen, none of this stuff was good, right? But right. Uh, but if you are ready to be in that space already, I can't blame you. I just said I'm not ready to join you there. Right. <laughs> Yeah, um, Renaissance Man 2008, do you think that the relationship between Harson and P.P.P., P, P, oh, Lord have mercy, T.P.B., who is this? Who is T.P.T.B.? I don't, I don't even know who that is. It seemed to be a pattern of Auburn coaches facing adversity, circling the wagons, insinuating, uh, and um, insulting themselves with their guys. Insulting, excuse me, themselves with their guys. I have no idea who T.P.T.B. is. Yeah, I don't either. I don't, I don't know who the acronym is. Help me out here, and I can answer that question better. Uh, Kenneth says, at the end of the day, this isn't a total. This wasn't a total rebuild. I don't know how that's true. And Harson never rebuilt anything anyway. There's a lot of people who haven't. He came to be re ready-made situation at Boise State and Arkansas State. He clearly is in over his head. Um, listen, uh, clearly in over his head. I, I want you to give me your list that of— That's what TPTBR. Yes. Oh, the powers that be. Got it. Yeah. I want you to kidnap, give me the list of the five coaches who are known for doing rebuilds that you would have hired. Since Harson's clearly in over his head, who was the coach that Auburn should have hired that has done a rebuild before and we swung and missed on them that would have come to Auburn? And then, because yeah. I just don't know who, like, I'm not disagreeing with you as to whether or not Harson's in over his head. Again, results matter to me more than perception. Mm-hmm. But you have to just you, you can't be the the genie or excuse me the the guy sitting here listening looking at your crystal ball without saying well I would have done it this way it's easy for for me to nitpick it over on this side but you know hey right. all right so let's go back to this question now that I understand do we think the relationship between uh, Harson and the powers that be is strained it seemed to be a pattern of Auburn coaches facing adversity circling the wagons and insulating themselves with their guys hmm. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. I think the powers that be have had a very clear impact on Auburn football, and you can trace that at the very least back to Tuberville when they tried to go get somebody else to get rid of them. Now, Louder took the hit for that, but I don't think he was absolutely solo because, honestly, a lot of those guys do what they want to do, and the other ones get on board. They say, oh, okay, you do it. I'll go along with it. So... If enough people feel like they should have a say or a stake in the football program because they are bankrolling it, then what we have never had is a coach who uniquely got to put his fingerprint on the program right. with 100% autonomy. We have never had that. I think Alan Green went and got the guy who could do that and was willing to do that and understood that he was in shark-infested waters trying to do it. I think a bridge to that was, all right, I'm going to do this my way, but I will accept your suggestions for my staff. I will accept your suggestions for some structure type things, whatever. All right. The result is one year in, he like, mm, nah, whatever y'all want it. Nah, forget that. Right. I'm going to do it my way. And I think what we are seeing by him dumping coaches quickly, getting rid of guys who don't fit with the game plan, um, mid-season coaching firing, as soon as the, the, the season is over, other coaches leaving, I think that is nothing but Harson saying, yeah, this is about to be how I want it to be. Mm -hmm. God bless you. Hope you find something better. Get out of here if you're not on board. I like that. I like that because to me it says that the powers that be aren't making these decisions. 
Right. People who have never stepped foot on a football field to play football are not making our football program decisions. People who write checks as their main contribution to Auburn football are not making these decisions. That is an overwhelmingly positive thing. The, the price of that is it is a rebuild. And you said it wasn't a rebuild. I think Kenneth said that. It is a rebuild because everything that had been done before this point was at the behest of people who knew nothing about how to run a football program. Right. Check writers building teams worked when we happened to get our hands on a generational talent. And it worked. We were really close to working in 2013 when we really just had a really good mix of transfers and some some fortune as far as the roster goes. Other than that, we have not been able to, su to sustain any success, and that's why we can't sustain it. It's basically like a coin flip. Every three years, we might be good again. And, okay, we didn't do it. Okay, let's try again. Every three years, oh, we might be good again. Uh, okay, well, it's not. That looks to be coming to an end because you have a guy that is willing to build. Now, whether you like him, I, I mean, I don't feel the need to like my coach. My coach doesn't need to inspire me. You know, if we wanted an inspiring coach, we should have kept Gene Chizik. Yeah. But, you know, we he went three and nine. So, sorry, coach. We need somebody who's going to coach and be cool. I mean, Gus Malzahn was a great individual. And God bless him with, um, I heard his his wife is, is sick. So, definitely sending not only thoughts, but prayers and meaning that earnestly out to his family. Because, of course, we don't want to see anybody go through anything like that, losing his wife. Um. But he was a stand-up individual, but he couldn't deal with the politics. The weight of all of that happening with the, the back office and the powers that be meddling and telling you who to do what because they aren't coaches. They aren't football people. They are check writers. We finally got them out of the kitchen. It is a, re it is a rebuild in the most significant way because you finally got back of house in order. Let's hope that Harson has the patience to do it his way, he continues to do it that way, and that everybody who was above him says, well, listen, man, we got we paid this guy a contract. We can't pay another coach to leave two years in, so we got to let him cook. We got to leave him in the kitchen. Yeah. He's going to hire his sous chefs, let him cook, and do what he wants to do. We can only hope that the 2023 season yields the type of results that show a steady improvement top to bottom so we can all say, you know what? It was worth it. The wait was worth it. Give the man his time. Let him do his thing. Okay. So I asked the question to Kenneth. His response was Billy Napier. Uh, you, you only answered half of the question. I didn't say just who you wanted. They also have to be someone who wanted to come to Auburn. You don't like that's not coaching searches don't work where you just get to pluck the guy that you want from somewhere just because you <laughs> yeah. think that they are a good coach that I mean. I didn't say name five coaches who you thought would be better. I want you to name five coaches who you thought we had a legitimate shot at at Auburn who can do the job that you think. I, I need both of those things to be true because otherwise, yeah, anybody could just do what they want to do. Uh, <laughs> Kenneth Super Chats again. Billy Clark. I don't think Bill Clark wanted to come here. Billy Napier, don't think he wanted to come here. Hugh Freeze did not want to come here. We were winning eight games a season. How is it that a total rebuild uh, I'll address that and say, y'all make, ex uh, y'all always make excuse why we won. I don't even understand the end of that statement. It was mm -hmm. a total rebuild for all the things that B. Will just said, because um, you have to uproot the infrastructure if you want to have stability. You can't just continue to do the same things that have produced the same results over and over again if you want to build a stable football. Listen, the University of Alabama, for all the reasons I hate them, got this right. They got out of the way of themselves. Eventually, they said, okay, we're going to hire somebody who we trust to do the job, and we're going to get out of the way. And he paid them back with wins. And then they said, we made a good decision, and he kept winning because he was able to do it the way he wanted to do it. Yeah. There's a lot of programs around the country who are doing that exact same thing. Georgia got out of the way. They let Kirby run it. Kirby, come in here. We trust you. Do, the, do it the way you want to do it. Now, even, it even again, with, it had to be mutual, though. Right. Kirby had to want to come to Georgia and coach. They couldn't just go get somebody and say, this is who I want to get, and he's going to come there. He has to want to coach there, too. 
and and Kirby was willing to ride or die with this 1985 football yeah. style and got roasted for it. He lost to Alabama in the biggest game. He lost the we roasted championship. Him, we roasted routinely on this channel. Yeah, but he stuck to his guns. The administration stuck with him because in the meantime, he was still recruiting like crazy, but he got it done his way and that will buy him more time, more leeway going forward. I don't think Kirby will have to leave that job unless he wants to, but we don't seem to give people that autonomy. And that's why for all the coaches that, that you named, Kenneth, they don't want to come here. They had seen coaches know. Coaches know. They know right. what's going on here. They talk to other coaches. What happened with Bill Clark, I agree with you. And I don't know if you were watching us before Gus actually actually lost his job. Right. He, was I the was biggest, stumping I for Bill, Bill Clark <laughs> yeah. in 2018. I was stumping for Bill Clark because I saw what he did with UAB's football program from scratch. Literally, yeah. there is not a, a a further down point you can start building than, hey, there's no program right. this year. We, Good we luck. just don't have football anymore for a whole season. And then you bring him back and it's like, okay, so you want me to start from nothing. From nothing. And yeah. he has turned them into a perennial powerhouse in their conference, got the energy up for a new stadium to be built in that city. He is building from scratch. Bill Clark tried to play us in public when we tried to talk. I don't even know if we really tried to talk to him. Or not. I have no idea. I have no idea. But he, he, said he that made they it would, clear he wouldn't come in, though. Yes. He tried to embarrass us. So, with Bill Clark, that's a great option. He didn't want us, so that's not an option at all. Right. I have no idea. After how the administration has handled the football program and its coaches over the last at least 20 years, who with the who in their right mind with pride would want to come here and instantly have your hands tied, except for a maniac, which is why I'm hoping Harson works out because it's like, listen, you see what it is now. Maybe you thought it was a little bit of this. It's that plus some, and he's right. still willing to stick it out. We have to hope his crazy is crazier than the powers that be so we can get back on track. Uh, Wardam ATL, appreciate the super chat again. A lot of people wanted Cristobal, and he still doesn't have an OC or DC eight weeks into the job. Imagine the meltdown if he was at Auburn. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. Like, we have to get outside of our purview and understand Auburn's not the only one dealing with issues like this. It's just not, it's not a unique Auburn problem that players are leaving, that coaches are leaving. It's just not. Like, I get it. It's a lot at one time to try to digest. Right, it's right. a different world we live in in college football. Mm. And if you are so tied to how it used to be, this is going to drive you crazy every single year until we find that, until we find our football Bruce Pearl. If this is what you can get used to, players leaving, coaches leaving, until they find the right pieces. But again, if you were the coach and you had to be in this situation, well, excuse me, not you. Let me not say you. If I were the coach mm -hmm. and I were in this situation, I would 100% get rid of anybody who was not doing this, the, doing it the way that I felt like it needed to happen because I tried it y'all's way that first year <laughs> and look what happened. Cool. I gave you a full season of how you wanted it. If you're going to fire me for the performance on the field, I might as well go down swinging with my own guys. Right. Right. Jazzy and, Joe, our yeah. guy in here. I'll let you jump in here, B-Wheel. Sorry I'm late. Uh, <laughs> some, <laughs> sums up what, I, sum up what I've missed. Uh, uh, you have missed uh, just, you know, offensive coordinator leaving. Me and B-Wheel both agree that it's a bad look. Everybody in the chat is mixed on whether or not we need to be patient or get rid of Brian Harson yesterday. <laughs> and uh, Auburn football is either completely in disarray and we're only going to win two games next season um, or we are going to still be hopeful that it works out. You know, the same old divided spectrum of whatever. You anyway, know what? Go. Lawrence Rob, this is a good point. Yeah. Because I wanted to mention this. When he took that job, he had that little spot when he was accepting the Oklahoma job. He said his daughter um, asked him last year when apparently he was approached about the Auburn job when it was open. She said, Dad, why didn't you take the Auburn job? And he said, well... You know, I didn't feel like it was a right fit. But what he said outwardly in, in open to the crowd was they didn't have the, the synergy or cohesion or something like that, mm -hmm. like we have here. Now, you can interpret that how you want to. I think we all know the powers that be 
are exactly what he was talking about. I've even heard rumbling. I have no idea this is true. This may have been rumor mill in, in board fodder. But back when we hired Gus, Kirby was a candidate. But they didn't want to they didn't want to give him the keys to the ship entirely. Right. Again, it's the I, I keep trying to say it's the same situation over and over again until somebody decides the guy who I'm paying to be a part of uh, the head of the football program knows what's best for the football program. The football program will always have issues. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know what? This is good. Okay. I've heard people comparing the win losses. When wins are what matter in football. Please do not let me tell you otherwise. Okay. I am not trying trying to convince you that wins do not matter in college football. Gregory says Harson inherited an eight and a half wins a year program. How do you consider that a rebuild? Fine tuning, maybe, yes, but not a rebuild. The way that works to me, and this this is this is me talking. I'm gonna give you an analogy for what I think. Um my parents bought a house. Uh, we lived in Birmingham. I was in, in Birmingham for high school. I lived in Inslee. We moved over to Centerpoint, Roebuck, in my freshman year in high school. All right. We got to the house. It was a bigger house. It was uh, had more square footage. All of us had a room because it was three of us. It was actually four kids, two parents, and we needed more room. So it was a breath of fresh air. Everybody got what they needed. Had to commute a little further to get to high school, but it was all good. However... Uh, about five years in, there was uh, we find out that that house isn't on city plumbing. It's got a septic tank. How do we find that out? Because, you know, some uh, doo-doo water started coming up the shower drain on the first floor. Now, we had no idea when we got into the house. My dad had no idea when he got into the house that that house was on a, a uh, septic tank. Shortly thereafter, we found a number of things that were wrong with that house. Because the house was standing and it had more rooms... And it had more amenities than our last house. Does not mean that that house was healthy inside out and top to bottom. So he had to break some walls down, had to pull some stuff up, get some stuff out. And that cost a lot of money and it took a lot of time. But here we are 20, wow, 20 plus years into owning that house. And my dad and my mom, they finally got it how they want to have it. I think that's the house they're going to retire. They're going to live in forever and happy for them. However, just because it looked good on the outside doesn't mean it was a healthy place to be. Yeah. It literally, needs to Literally be. just happened with me in my kitchen. Just yeah. happened. Oh, yeah. And the plumber. I remember you talking the, about the, that. The dishwasher had a hose that failed. We've, we've been in this home almost six years now, right? Dishwasher had a hose that failed probably year two of us living here, and it was just slowly dripping. Mm. Not like profusely because we don't run the dishwasher a lot. I wash the dishes by hand most of the time. But it was just slowly dripping and pressure was building up because we weren't using the dishwasher. I often talked to the plumber. He was saying you kind of have to run it every now and then or those mm-hmm. hoses will break down because of the way that they're constructed. All this kind of stuff, right? No idea. But four years of a slow drip and we had to pull up the entire ca- – pull out the entire cabinetry in the kitchen, pull up the floor and you get all of that redone. Just because, to your point, B. Will, it looks good. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there aren't real structural issues that need to get torn down and replaced in order for it to last longer. Yep. We have to stop being so comfortable that we're afraid to change. Because we could have just been like, you know what? I'm out. I'm just going to buy a new house. Right. Or I'm going to just deal with what it is, and then it eventually becomes a, it goes from a $8,000 problem to a twelve, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 problem, Right. Auburn's administration made the decision, I'm going to pay the buyout now. Let's rip the Band-Aid and figure it out. Well, partially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they ripped the Band-Aid off, and then they tried to put another Band-Aid back on. It was like, what, why, why are we ripping Band-Aids just to put more Band-Aids on this? Like, I don't even understand. I'm not saying Harson is a Band-Aid. I'm saying get out of the way of the healing. Right. Fix it. Fix it down to the core. Down to the, the the first level of what is wrong. And what is wrong is that the powers that be are handcuffing the coach. And that that's not to say that the coach is always great because lost in this example, of course, with Saban and, and Kirby is they're actually really good coaches. Now, right. that's 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 first. We we don't know if we have a coach on that level, but we will never find out who and what the coach actually is unless you let him do the job his way. And we have never managed to do that we've managed to find 
this flash of success in spite of tampering and hands being tied and too many cooks in the kitchen. But don't does anybody else not see that there's a pattern to our coaches and why that there is a really high high and a really low low for every coach that has come through here in the football program over the last 20 years? That is a pattern that I figured people would kind of have picked up on by now. If we want that to change, maybe a coach having five years, one SEC championship, and one under 500 season, everybody's cool with that as long as every time that one year that we're good, it's a really good year, and then we maybe make it to a playoff. I think maybe it comes down to are you more comfortable with a consistent 8-4 and four to 11-1 and one range where you're never going lower than 8, but... Or do you want to go to a national championship once every six years? But the price is you're going to be under 500 and get a new coach once every six years. I, I don't know what you want. I'd rather be 8, 4, 9, 3, 10, 2 every year. To me, that's a better deal. But, I mean, I guess it's, it comes down to what you prefer. Yeah. All right, we're going to grab some more Super Chats here. Uh, Philip Coleman says, as far as OC goes, what about Bodie Reader? He is an analyst on the staff and helped out during bowl practices. He has experience and won't hit the pockets hard. Um, I think most people, listen, I thought Bodie Reader was going to be the offensive coordinator to begin with. Um, I think most people think that it's going to be an internal promotion of either Keesaw or Reader at this point in time. Uh, Reader would probably make more sense since Keesaw is not an OC type and he's not a QB guy. Um, and you can e- more easily replace an analyst than you could uh, a wide receiver coach at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But um, listen, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go. Jazzy Joe says, oh, so a normal day, 10-4. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, Jazzy, normal day. <laughs> Walt Taylor chimes in. Remember how the powers that be almost brought down, listen, they almost brought down Bruce Pearl by forcing Chuck Person on him. Mm. 100% true. Mm. Mm. Um. Kenneth yeah. thinks that that's a terrible analogy. Uh, I don't know. I don't why. think Kenneth likes anything that other no. than Harson needs to get fired. So yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Appreciate the uh, super sticker there, Justin. I don't know if Appreciate there was uh, something tied to that. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, ben Bloodworth, uh, we're only an eight and four team consistently because our field goal kicker, kickers were legendary. Without the Carlson brothers, we would have been a six win team consistently. I cannot disagree with that. Uh, your wife seems to love the analogy, so we will definitely take Thank that you, into consideration. Wife. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Jazzy Joe chimes in. So, do y'all think that? Uh, so, who do y'all think will be our coordinator after the next hire? Thank God we have the War Report. Y'all, y'all are on par with the basketball team. Poor damn Eagle, get your weight up. <laughs> Free whoever is behind Mike's wall. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, listen, uh, yeah, I, you know, we just kind of went into that conversation about. I think it's going to be some sort of internal promotion. Um, I don't know that there are a ton of guys who are out there that are available and qualified to be an offensive coordinator. Uh, it's going to have to be a poach uh, if it is at this point in time. Um, you know, again, there are a lot of people around the country who are possibly not happy in their positions. Uh, Football season is mostly over right now. Maybe there's some person in the football uh, in the NFL ranks that was waiting on their opportunity for a, uh, a better position because they're a position coach maybe somewhere and they want to be an OC to prove that they can be a play caller. It's possible. Um, I just know that this is something that needs to get resolved fairly quickly. National Mm -hmm. signing day again is just a few days away and, uh, you know, we're going to be on the heels of spring uh, football here in any minute, right? So we need mm-hmm. to have something happening at that. So um, I think that this is going to be something we see them move fairly quickly on. Well, if we see them, excuse me, move fairly quickly, it's going to be because it's an internal promotion. Um, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Mm. Uh, any other interesting tidbits out, uh, out here? Um, I don't know... Uh, uh, Justin Decker says we need to bring Tommy Tuberville back. Problem solved. Uh, for what? I mean, Tommy yeah, Tuberville. Listen, that that's t- Tony Franklin was pushed on Tommy Tuberville because the admin said, "Hey, we need to put up more points," and we saw how that worked. That was the beginning of the end. Once he took that on, I don't know how it works. If you can just go listen, no, and go hire your guy because I I don't know how it works with them. But we know over time. Um, or at least has been very strongly alluded to that they make some personnel choices that you just have to roll with if you want to get continued support. And 
Tommy wasn't immune to that either. I don't know why it would be different now. Yeah. Um, Lance Dahl chimes back in. We aren't poaching much of anything if we're basing our ability to poach off of head coaching searches in 2020. Listen, I d- can't disagree with you. I don't know why, you know, a lot of people are clamoring for, um, what's the guy's name in Georgia? I don't know why my brain just auto- Dale McGee. Dale McGee. Dale McGee's not leaving Georgia for Auburn. Like, he, <laughs> Auburn might be home, but like, why would he do that? Like, mm. I just don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, give Joe Brady the bag, says Ryan Ledbetter. Apparently, Joe Brady, uh, the the LSU contingent said, hey, we're glad we got LSU, uh, had Joe Brady for that one year to make get the most out of Joe Burrow because he didn't really want to do recruiting either. So that one year was what he needed. It's what LSU needed. Joe Brady went back to the NFL where he wanted to be. Now he was with the Panthers, but their QB situation and their O-line was terrible. I don't know how much that says about Joe Brady, but I, I don't think Joe Brady actually wants to be a college OC. I think that's the issue here. Yeah. Um, Anthony... Shattuck says, couldn't it be Keysaw as OC slash wide receiver coach and Reader as just the QB coach? Could definitely be that. I don't, yeah. again, Reader, um, I think makes more sense as the OC because he's had more experience with at least attempting to do, I, I think what Brian Harson wants is someone to manage his QB um, that is the OC. Um, so I don't know. I mean, at least based on the Austin Davis hire is why I'm basing mm-hmm. that off of. Yeah. Um, and Keysaw being a wide receivers coach, I don't know that he wants his wide receivers coach to be his offensive coordinator. Again, that's all speculation on my part. I'm just basing it upon the hire that already took place. Um, so we'll have to see what, what comes of all of this stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. You got any final words here, B-Will? We're going to wrap this up and let these people get back to their day. And you guys can go and uh, speculate in the chat <laughs> section or, excuse me, in the comment section down here and uh, on whatever message boards you're on. I'm sure the message boards are going crazy today going as well crazy. as Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, any final thoughts, though? Nah, man. We talked about it all. We just got to be patient, see how it works out. And remember, it's basketball season. <laughs> I don't want to talk about football no more. All right? basketball season. Go Bruce. Yeah. Having said that, we will be back at you guys Wednesday talking National Signing Day, which is all football. Um, But no, we will hopefully have some good news in the basketball game that happens on Tuesday as well. That's it, man. We are about to get out of here. We appreciate you all coming to this just uh, shy of an hour venting and uh, therapy session about Auburn football. Um, But yeah, listen, this is why um, Jersey says, nah, y'all can stay on. We still have jobs that we have to go back to. my lunch break, man. I don't know what I'm going to eat. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I skipped lunch to come do this. So, uh, love y'all, man. Appreciate y'all. As always, War Eagle, and we are out of here. War Eagle.